0: Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Yeah!
1: <laughs> oh, <Yeah>! Unbelievable! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. Liverpool are back to winning ways, and it was all thanks to a little man called Mikel Arteta. And I'm here with Max to talk all about Liverpool's 4 0 win against Arsenal and our upcoming fixtures. Um, Max, how are you doing, mate?
0: Oh, mate, I'm always good. Um, I'm actually um, uh, (laughs) currently located in the city of our next Champions League opponents, Porto. So I'm having a lovely time, went on the stadium tour, Um, let everyone know on the tour that I was a Liverpool supporter. So (laughs) they weren't overly pleased with that, but uh, no, um, no, doing very well. Thank you
1: good and we can't complain after a 4-0 victory against Arsenal. Back to winning ways after two games in the Premier League without a win for Liverpool. So let's get straight into it really. Um, 4-0 win at Anfield against a team who were in fine form coming into the fixture in Arsenal. They'd won the last five Premier League fixtures in a row and where our form had been a little bit ropey and it was a bit of an ominous one to come into after an international break and all the obvious kind of injury problems Liverpool have got in the midfield. But other than um, maybe a 20-30 minute spell at the start of the first half where it was proving a little bit difficult to break Arsenal down. It was one-way traffic really, wasn't it, Max?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was... Um, yeah, one, once the sort of first... Once the first goal went in, you could very easily see that the floodgates were going to open. And um, uh, and so it proved um, uh, some really well-constructed goals. Um the pressing was as efficient as I've seen it in a long time, even though it should be said Arsenal didn't exactly help themselves by continuously trying to play out from the back. Nuno Tavares um, uh, really over, a bit overambitious um, with some of his attempts to play out from the back. Looks like a talented kid, but um, he really did not help himself on a few occasions. Uh, and yeah, Mikel Arteta got his tactics horribly wrong um, in the
1: second half and what I could see. Yeah. And a lot has been made of that Mikel arteta young Klopp flashpoint on the touchline, um, just a few minutes before Liverpool's opening goal. Um, it's never a good idea, I guess, to get the crowd at Anfield against you, especially when it was a little bit flat in that kind of first period of the game. Um, how much do we read into it, whether that actually contributed to what happened on the pitch or, or is it just kind of one of those things that we see from time to time and it got the crowd up But it may be people making a little bit more of it than than you'd think?
0: I think when something like that happens, it can give the game a bit of an edge, uh, which I think is what Liverpool might have needed. You know, that little bit more of a push of impetus. I mean, brave from Mikel Arteta going off against Jurgen Klopp, who's about twice his size. Um, uh the coming together with Mane and was it Tavares, I think, um, in the end? I think it was Tommy
1: Esi. I think it was Tommy Esi. Oh, was it
0: Tommy? Oh, sorry. Yes, it would have been, wouldn't it? Because it's on Mane's side. Um, I mean, it looked like a you know an aerial challenge, but it didn't look like anything too yeah. hectic. Um, Mane's gotten away with a lot worse um, in yeah. um, uh, in the last couple of years. Um, and yeah, I I think that Arteta really shot himself in the foot doing that because all he did was get the crowd up and get himself a yellow card. I mean, Jürgen Klopp got one as well, but um, yeah, I thought it was a very odd thing to get really riled up about because he seems like quite a cool customer.
1: Yeah, usually. And I think there was one um, Mane on Ben White's challenge, which was basically off the pitch a little bit later on after that. That was probably worse than the um, <laughs> than that one, but Arteta didn't seem to react quite as, as much to that. Um, but do we think that the manner of the win with it you know being those four goals and as you've already mentioned that pressing um being as good as we've seen it for a while how important do you think that is going forward that we didn't just kind of scrape a one nil we really put them to the sword in that second half and um the the scoreline reflects
0: that yeah I think given um the way that Manchester City and the way that Chelsea performed this weekend I think it was really important that Liverpool did put down a marker against Arsenal and not you know just scrape a one nil or something like that um especially Ramsdale and the form that he's been in,
1: yeah.
0: had all the, um, all, the hall, all the hallmarks, let me try that again, um, of a <laughs> scrappy game at Anfield, but Liverpool didn't let that happen. And um, yeah, I think it, it came across really well and shows that Liverpool are still there to compete for the titles, despite a few um, uh, naysayers on social media.
1: I don't know why the video is gone mate um but we'll just seem, it. <laughs> I can't seem
0: get it bald, back. but we I, can just we'll keep cracking yeah
1: cool um there was a couple of key kind of players I'd like to just pick out to give a bit of praise to really having Thiago back in that mid midfield I think really gives Liverpool a different element going forward sometimes I think he maybe gets caught on the ball or or he tries some his passing can is always really is, is always really good but it, there has been occasions over the last few few weeks where it's been a little bit on the on the sloppy side but when it's all going well and everything's clicking like it was on the weekend it really adds a different dimension to Liverpool's midfield in my opinion what did you make of his um display
0: yeah i thought he was um i thought he was excellent the the thing that he provides as well is He's much better positionally than a lot of our midfielders and the way that he and Fabinho work in tandem is really, really nice and it gives gives Oxlade-Chamberlain when he's in that midfield a bit more freedom to you know push forward and carry the ball. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought he was fantastic and Fabinho as well um, did really well. Nice to see our midfield looking a lot more solid than it has in the last couple of weeks. Um, and hopefully, if Tiago and Fabinho can stay fit, um, and, you know, Thiago, we obviously have to manage his minutes to an extent um, because, obviously, he's, his fitness doesn't indicate they can play every game. Uh, but if we can keep those two fit for the majority of the season, we will certainly be challenging for the big trophies.
1: Yeah, I saw um, Henry Winter, the journalist on Twitter, say describing Fabinho as efficient is like really understating it because we know how he's probably the best in, in Europe or in the league in that kind of hold a midfield position and we really missed him when when he was out. Um Trent Alexander-Arnold as well, I mean, what more is there to say really? That's now 50 assists for Liverpool for Trent and um, he's only 23 years old and he's a right back. Uh, so when people say generational, that word probably gets overused a little bit. But when we're talking about Alexander-Arnold, I think it hits a nail on the head.
0: I've seen stuff... <laughs> I remember seeing, this is a while back, to be fair, but I remember seeing someone say Aaron Wan-Bissaka was generational. So, yeah, yeah. I think it does <laughs> get over you somewhat. Um, yeah, I mean, Alexander-Arnold going forward, I mean, he, if anything, he's got more deadly this season because Klopp has worked out how to get him more central and sort of give him a higher... Hmm. Um, higher percentage passes to make into the final third. Yeah. Um, similar to João Cancelo for Manchester City, we're seeing a lot more of the sort of inverted fullback kind of thing going. Um, and it looks like Klopp's asking Trent to do that, as we discussed on the last episode, and having a midfielder push wide. And that really works um, if Oxley chamberlains playing because he... He obviously started his career as a wide man, so he has the experience of you know getting to the um, getting to the byline and laying a cross in um, in a similar way actually to how City's midfielders um, operate. Like how many times do we see David Silva um, get to the byline from midfield and then you know lay a pass back into the six-yard box or someone to score? Um, so yeah, I, I try and, is in unbelievable form. And if he keeps this up, then if he doesn't get selected for the World Cup next season, then I, I question <laughs> Southgate's sanity. And it seems to be, just on that for a second, it seems to be that everyone's talking about Rhys James or Alexander-Arnold. We saw Rhys James play right centre-back in a Champions League final for, um, for Chelsea. Why not? play him there and how and have Alexander Arnold at wing back. I mean yeah. that that seems like a pretty sensible solution to me, but Southgate loves Walker. So that's yeah. the state of play, I think.
1: It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next kind of year or so because we're now basically exactly a year away, aren't we, from the, the World Cup starting. So it he kind of Southgate doesn't deviate very much from his starting 11s once he gets to a tournament so if Alexander Arnold is going to be that right back you'd expect in the next six months or so to see him future in more in the kind of bigger bigger matches rather than just the you know the dead rubbers against San Marino and the like um, so we'll have to wait and wait and see on that one and another player I'd just like to highlight would be Diego Jota as well obviously he scored a really composed goal Um a lot of people kind of berating Nuno Tavares for, for the pass back and I'm, I'm rightly so. But I think we're overlooking exactly how much Jota had to do because I think a lot of us expected him to kind of crack that shot off straight away as soon as it came to him, as we've seen him do time and time again. He seems to hit shots really quickly when he receives the ball. But on this occasion he just kind of popped it past Ben White and then Ramsdale overcommits and and it was just a lovely, lovely goal overall, but more on Jota's overall impact since he came into Liverpool. We know all about the front three and what they can do and how fantastic they've been for three or four years. But having someone like Jota, when a Firmino, for example, at this moment in time has been injured for a couple of weeks and be able to come into the team, offer something a little bit different, but still match the levels of that usual front three, if you like. He's just been a bit of a a phenomenon, phenomenon, especially when it comes to scoring goals. He's scored so many, and particularly against Arsenal.
0: Yeah, he's he's just a lovely footballer. Um, very different to Firmino in that nine role because he plays more as a true nine than uh, than Firmino does. Um, likes to play off the shoulder. Um, really, what I've always liked about him is the fact that he's not scared to shoot. Um, last season, we had such an issue with just playing the ball around the edge of the box and no one wanting to take responsibility. Jota will always take responsibility. And he's he's got a, he's got a technique that I really like in that he he always hits the ball hard and low when he's shooting, which is just such a it's such an underrated quality in a forward, someone who hits the target and hits the ball well. Um, his movement's really good, and for for his goal, as you rightly said. Yeah, Tavares um, made a hash out of his pass, but it was great positioning by Jota to be there in the first place to pick up the ball. The little cut inside um, Ben White and then um, past uh, Ramsdale was actually very reminiscent of, um, of a goal. I remember Luis Suarez scoring against Tottenham um, when we beat them 5-0 in the 13-14 mm-hmm. season. Exactly the same movement. The, the defender comes flying across, very easy for a striker to just sort of hit it and for the defender to block the ball but keeping your head and letting the cut go letting the defender go past you and having faith in your technique that you'll keep the ball and make an easy chance for yourself is a really really good aspect of um uh, a forwards play
1: and obviously Sadio Mane was on the score sheet again um we were saying uh, and on a previous show, I think that it's going under the radar a little bit, just how much he's scoring at the moment, because we discussed a lot last year about how he maybe was lacking a bit of form. There was even some question marks about whether he was coming to the end of his peak years. But this year, he seems to be after maybe a little bit of a wobbly start in terms of performances. But in terms of goal scoring, he's still, you know, he's scoring more or less every other game at the moment. If you look at the numbers, um, the only person who's doing better is Salah, and that's because Salah is Salah. Um, his contract situation is in a similar kind of place to Salah in the terms of they're both pretty much the same age when top 29. And I'm not sure exactly how long Mane's got in his deal. I um, you know that Salah's runs out. Um, I think not it's the
0: same, roughly, like yeah. give or take, uh, like, yeah, you said... know, probably a couple of weeks. But, yeah, yeah. Um uh yeah it's definitely um uh the 2020. same 2023 yeah so what the, i was going to
1: ask you is that there's been some reports today not the most reliable ones granted but some reports that we know that Salah probably wants rewarding and rightly so with, with a pay rise which fsg ordinarily perhaps wouldn't do for some at this stage of, of their career some of the reports today that they're coming from gold so take <laughs> take that what what you want, but they're suggesting that Mane equally wants a pay rise on his next contract. Um, So what are your thoughts on on Mane's contract situation in terms of how long should the next contract be? And and financially, should he be given a bump? Um, He's given us at this point, I guess, five years of pretty stellar service other than maybe a four or five month poor spell.
0: It's quite difficult because realistically, Liverpool is not going to give over £300,000 a week, which is what I would assume Mane would want if he's looking at Salah's um, uh, apparent demands uh, for a contract. I can't see Liverpool giving both those players a contract of that size. I just don't see it happening. Um, If the market was less volatile... I think that Liverpool would sell next summer. Um, I would be very confident of that. However, because it is so volatile, like usually a player of Mane's profile, you know, age, um, and if the Spanish giants were, you know, financially better than they are, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move for a big you know, big fee, 60, 70 million pounds plus, and then someone else come in for him, someone younger, maybe on a lower wage. But um, this is very hard to predict because I I think Liverpool will do their that. Because Mo Salah's output is simply irreplaceable from that position. It's just like you you can't replace that. Whereas Mane, for every bit of how good a footballer he is and how good a player he is, I think his output and I think that his... His impact on the team, at, as it stands, from a completely analytical and emotionless point of view, could be replicated. Um, His place in the dressing room, um, he's clearly very popular. He's loved by the fans. That is something that obviously you have to account for as well. And if and if he is prepared to sign a you know a contract that FSG are happy to offer them, fantastic. But I think. If he did leave in the summer and a, re- and a decent fee was brought in for him, then I think a replacement could be found. But it's a very delicate situation.
1: Do you think that, whereas we've talked before about Salah could play well into his 30s, a la what we see with Ronaldo, um, you know, Ronaldo's 36, he's... Whatever you want to say about whether Man United should have signed him or not, we know that he's still performing at you know a pretty high level in terms of goal scoring. Maybe maybe not other areas of his game, and we've said Salah looks after himself a lot. He's you know we wouldn't be surprised if he could be performing as well when he gets to gets to his um, mid to late thirties. Do you think with Mane it's slightly different? Situation? Do you think it would be more difficult for Mane if he was to stay, you know, for another five years if he was also at Liverpool in his mid to late 30s? Do you think it would
0: it not, would be more not difficult? Really? I think he looks after himself pretty well. I mean, last time I saw him with his shirt off was a, a while back, but he built like a brick shit house like Mo Salah. is. like, yeah, like yeah. I remember watching a video of, um, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain and Andy Robertson being chatted about, and they said Salah is he's the strongest man on earth. So I don't think that Mane's physical shape is an issue, um, but at the same time, no matter how fit they are, you don't want Liverpool in four years to have, you know, uh, uh, their two best forwards being aged 33 or above. Like that that just simply can't be the case because otherwise you've got the Barcelona problem of having good players on massive contracts who you then lose money on and cut, and will struggle to replace? the The financial reality of Liverpool's situation is that I think they're going to have to recoup money on one of them. Um, yeah. Whether that is Salah or Mane, like out of the two, if I had to choose, I would want Mane to go because Salah just is a a complete one off of a player. Um, I don't want to see Mane leave. Um, it would make me very sad. But in how, how fast Chelsea and Manchester City build their squads, Liverpool can't, be, can't afford to be left behind. And this squad is ageing together. And I think that if you were looking to get a replacement for Mane, I think it could be found. Whereas replacing Salah would be a lot more difficult.
1: Yeah, I think next summer is going to be a really big one for Liverpool. and It's going to be interesting. An indication of where, I don't want to say where the ambition is, because I think the ambition throughout the club is high, but where FSG or how much FSG are willing to basically go toe-to-toe with the likes of Chelsea Man City who've got endless resources. I know we do it a different way and it's worked to this point, but next summer... I think with like you say those guys aging at the same time and the squad depth that I'll, we'll be discussing in momentarily, it's just going to be super interesting to see whether we go out and do a kind of what we did a few years ago when we brought in you know Allison and then Van Dijk and Fabinho all in a similar time frame. Um, I know that
0: Van Dijk came in the
1: January, but you get my point. Um, yeah, be really, really interesting to see.
0: I think it'll be interesting where the signings are made as well. Like if I look at this team, I think that a, I hate the phrase proper number nine, but I'm going to use it anyway, um, uh, would probably be needed um, to rotate, especially if Mane goes, because then that puts less pressure on um, uh, on the winger. To score goals, because like finding a winger to, you know, win a golden boot like Mane has is going to be very difficult. Um, you have to find it, assuming Mane does leave, you need a left winger, and we, and there will definitely be need for a midfielder and then probably a backup right back as well. Because James Milner, I don't know how long he's going to keep going, but Milner next season cannot be the first alternative at right back like that that just can't be here's an interesting um, an interesting
1: story that we re- read during the international
0: break and i don't know if it's just
1: you know people trying to fill fill pages in online space when there's not much content around but the nico williams um has been kind of touted as a potential forward option this, when african Cup of nations rolls around um, i saw some articles saying that you know, almost comparing him to <laughs> Gareth Bale, but I think that's a bit lazy, just because he's Welsh and started as a fullback. But what do you, would you be opposed to seeing Williams a bit further forward? And I know some fans kind of turn their nose up at the idea, but you never know.
0: I think that some fans like sort of see a player play a position, and they're like, "Oh, that's his position. He can't, he can't play anywhere else." Like you know, and if and and if he does, then it he'll be an issue. I watched Nico Williams play against Belgium and I think it is the best I've ever seen him play on that left wing, um, whether at whether right back, up front for Liverpool, for Wales. And I, I think he's a much better attacker than he is a defender from what I've seen. Um, if he came in, I, I, I would like to see him play against porto in one of those advanced positions i think it'd be a really good experiment and a time to be able to do it because games are coming thick and fast and there isn't much time for experimentation throughout this season but the two champions league games coming up are times to do that um Absolutely. so yeah i i think if Nico Williams can perform like that in a team that, with all due respect to the Welsh national team, is not on the same individual level as Liverpool is, against a team with the quality of Belgium, um, who it should be said were missing a couple of players themselves, um, yes. I, I think that there's no reason why the gamble couldn't be taken.
1: And just before we move on to take a look at next games for Liverpool, <clears throat> You alluded, alluded to it there with about the games coming thick and fast and we know how busy the Christmas period always is in the Premier League and in, in the UK. Um, and then you've got the African Cup of Nations as well, just around the corner. I don't think Liverpool actually have a midweek off until the new year. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that every basically midweek, there's going to be a fixture from now until the end of, end of the, the calendar year. Are you worried about... Squad depth in terms, particularly the midfield, really. When you see that, for example, Chelsea have missed Lukaku and Timo Werner for a number of weeks, and they're still winning games relatively easily. Seal them at Leicester at the weekend, and they're finding, you know, getting goals from the likes of Cantona and Rudiger. But at the same time, they've got forward options like Havertz and Pulisic and Ziyech. Uh, do you think this period could be really telling for Liverpool's Liverpool squad depth because? At the moment, as it stands for the last fixture, this may may change by the weekend, the only midfielders we've got fit who are, you know, um, first-teamers would be Chamberlain, Fabinho, Tiago, who's not the most reliable in terms of injuries, and then obviously Jordan Henderson, because we had Tyler Morton was the next midfield option on the bench um, against Arsenal, obviously made his debut. Is that course we're concerned there may be players coming back in the next few weeks but I'm, I'm unsure on time scales for like the likes of Jones etc
0: yeah I mean Liverpool have got a lot of it doesn't feel like aside from Elliot any of them are massively serious um just like loads of niggly stuff the curses Jones one seems really weird I can't
1: it's bizarre isn't
0: it like, he must have got poked, like, right in the eye and really hard for...
1: Yeah, it's been for... over over a week or two, over two weeks now.
0: Well, apparently he's going to be out for a few weeks. Like, he must have, like, scratched his retina or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Like, it must have hurt like a bastard if it caused that much damage. Um, yeah, I mean the reality is whatever the fans on social media say liverpool are not going to have a squad with 40 50 million pound players um on the <laughs> on the bench um to just come in whenever that just isn't going to happen you know hakim Ziyech coming on for for chelsea whenever um you know faren torres or or Real Mahrez or whoever the hell you want for city that isn't going to happen at Liverpool at least not in a short you know space of time unless Liverpool you know just buy a player or two for each position per window and it just turns out in you know three four years that the depth is there not because of loads of spending but because of just incremental spending over a time period um in terms of the next few weeks yeah it's you know it's it's not new that this period is crucial to a season. It's the busiest period of the season coming up over the next six to eight weeks. And Liverpool needs to make sure that they're at least in touch with Chelsea and Manchester city um, by the time the African cup of nations finishes. Because if they're not, and Chelsea and Manchester city have got a bit of a lead, then it's very difficult to see anyone catching them just because of the sheer quality that they've got throughout the squad. So, yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of hammering on social media, but you know, the way that Liverpool's run is not going to change unless we get bought out by miscellaneous shake or Chinese billionaire or um, Russian oligarch number 45. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's very crucial what's coming up and I hope that we see a few people come back from injuries, but our depth is going to be tested. That's just a fact.
1: I think as well, like when you look at the start of the season and some of the team sheets that we're putting out, the depth looks relatively good when everyone's fit. I know it's easy to say when everyone's fit, but I do think there's been a degree of um, bad luck with the midfield injuries, particularly They're all the last season we seem to have obviously all the centre backs and this year, they seem to be quite localized in terms of, um, the midfield, other than Firmino, with Touchwood, the centre backs, and have all pretty much stayed fit, haven't they, all season? Even Joel Matip. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed that we get a few back. I think Milner's probably the closest to coming back. I don't think there's been a time scale on I mean, Naby Keiter either, but it was a was it a hamstring, I believe. So they can be, you know, they can be unpredictable at the best of times. So we'll see. But next up for Liverpool is obviously Porto in the Champions League. We won't focus too much on that because. It's a bit of a dead rubber, but we will just highlight again, I think, Max, is that how much of a kind of um how beneficial it is that we've already through the group, how much of a luxury it is that we can afford to rest plays in these next two fixtures. I don't expect wholesale changes to the level of it being, you know, Connor Bravley at right back or Clyde Gordon playing, but um, due to the financial um gains you get from winning in the Champions League, however. Just having the ability to give someone like a Salah or a Van Dijk uh, or whoever it may be a week off, so that well a game off, so they can you know have a week's recovery time between Premier League fixtures, that's going to be a massive benefit. Particularly when you look at the other English teams, um, particularly Man United and Man City, who have a bit more work to do in their groups.
0: Oh, it'll be huge! Um, Having these two games to rotate is massive. And, yeah, it's not going to be, you know, a League Cup game. But, you know, if we, if we see a, you know, a Nico Williams coming up um, with Takumi Minamino maybe to replace two of the front three, Tyler Morton could maybe make his uh, full um, Champions League debut. That would be fantastic. I think he's looked really good when he has played. Um, maybe give Fabinho or Thiago a rest. Um, could even drop Minamino back into midfield um, yeah. and play a sort of 4-2-3-1 because he has played there before for us. Um, you know, give Thiago and Fabinho um, the middle of the week off and bring Morton and um, Minamino into the midfield three. You could swap out Van Dijk and Matip for Canate and Gomez. Um, uh, keep Simakas uh, in at left-back if Robertson's, you know, a little iffy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that um, is Kelleher um, back fit. I'm just trying to think. I think
1: he was on the bench at the weekend, though. Yeah, give him a. I'm pretty him, sure he's on the bench. Though.
0: Yeah, give him a shot in the in the Champions League. I mean, like you know, that's still a very competitive team um, going out against Porto. Um, obviously, not the first eleven, but you know, as long as the team is competitive, then you know, I I would be happy
1: and looking ahead to southampton then how important is it that we back up this arsenal victory with another three points um, we said after the man united 5-0 it was really important to like not rest on our laurels and and um drop points against brighton which we then obviously did do um this time around given that we're still not we're still only four points off it off the top that is we really need to get another three points in our pocket um, especially with chelsea playing you know man united and um, potentially could drop points there who knows so yeah that's basically <laughs> my question is just how vital is it that we do go out again on saturday
0: and um, get another win it is absolutely essential that we get a win against uh, southampton we have a bit of a favorable run of games um coming up we've got newcastle we've got um uh Everton, who are in terrible form, we've got um, Southampton, um, we got Spurs um, coming up, you know, and Leeds. We got some winnable games coming up um, ahead of a a bit of a rough period with Leicester, um, Leicester away, and then Chelsea at home in January um, and late December. So, yeah, I think we really have to try and put together a bit of a run here and. It, it should be said that December has proven to be a pretty good month for Liverpool, um, uh, usually under Klopp. I mean, last season, a bit of an aberration with all the injuries and everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect to see Liverpool put together a few wins. And, um, yeah, this, this is a really vital period coming up. And in the Premier League especially, we need to put together a bit of a run of wins.
1: Klopp mentioned that Diego Jota may have a bit of a knock after that collision with Aaron Ramsdale, and he was also, in this kind of post-match interview against Arsenal, he was really kind of high in his praise for Takumi Minamino. Um, he kind of kind of echoed what you said a minute ago, Max. He was talking about how versatile he is, and he can play, Klopp said he could play five different positions if, if he needed him. If, you know, is not 100%, I um, don't think there's any suggestion it's it's going to be a massive issue, but... Would you be opposed to giving Minamino a start in the league? I feel like we know that he'll probably start against Porto. Um, But in terms of a Premier League game where the stakes were a little bit higher, how would you feel about him going into the
0: Um, I would wait until we see how he... Because I'm sure he'll start against Porto. Um, I would wait to see how he performs against Porto before making a decision on that. If Jota's... um, injury if he does have an injury rather than just a bit of a knock um he's serious then uh, or um you know could keep him out for a week or so I, I'd have no issues but um if the possibility is there to play Jota, Mane and Salah together um against Southampton I'd like to see that but if it's not possible and I've got every faith that Minamino can do a job and the one thing I will say is Minamino's movement off the ball in the box is very, very good yeah. similarly to Jota I don't think he's quite got the pace that Jota does um, but he's very, very smart with how he links up play and his movement in the box I mean, the run he made to get on the end of Alexander-Arnold's cross um, to make it four for Liverpool uh, was excellent and he's shown glimpses of that um before and yeah he's I think mean, he's he's fulfilling the role with which you would expect a seven and a half million pound buy from Salzburg to make like he was never brought in to be you know a starting player but someone who could just rotate in and out and for that to happen I, I have I have no issues over that however if the front three is available I'd like to see him play
1: what do you think his best position is out of interest because a lot of people think maybe you know he's more of an out and out winger but he can also play maybe a bit more of an inside forward we've seen him play in the central midfield areas as well and also he's been we've seen him down the middle in almost like a false nine Firmino-esque position what's your view
0: even from where I've seen him, I actually think that he's best in sort of a... I don't think he's quite right for the flank in a 4-3-3. Three, three. I don't think he's quite got the pace for that. Where I yeah. think he works quite nicely, he's got a bit of a Jordan Shakirian issue in that I think he's much more effective if we play a 4-2-3-1 and he can play that sort of um, inverted winger kind of role off the right of um, an attacking midfield three. I think he works really well coming in in those little half spaces um, and, you know, picking up little areas in the box. I think that works really well for him. If the four-three-three is stuck with, I think he's definitely best down the middle, sort of dropping in, linking play, and then making those little runs into the box rather than uh, putting him out of the wing where there's more emphasis on speed and your ability one-on-one.
1: Looking at the opposition, obviously Southampton. They lost to Norwich on on the on the weekend, and Dean Smith's first game as Norwich manager. Um, I think we all have spoken on here before. We we kind of value and rate Hassan quite well. Um, we think he's quite a decent coach. However, he was decimated. Southampton were decimated by injuries last season, if I remember rightly. And this year, they've lost some key players in terms of you know Danny Ings went to Aston Villa. Um, Yannick Vestergaard he went to Leicester City um, a few you know, a few of his Ryan Bertrand is kind of senior head in the dressing room also went um, what can we expect from them this weekend I think a lot of people think this will be an easy three points and on paper you'd say it could be that way I wouldn't be surprised to see Liverpool blitz them you know three or four but at the same time <laughs> they're a type of team that could come to Anfield and make it
0: difficult be well organised under Hassan Hütel and we really have to grind it out. The one thing that does worry me a little bit um, is that Liverpool have looked a bit suspect from set-pieces recently. strange. It is. It is are, yeah, but in James Ward-Prowse, Southampton have the best set-piece taker in the Premier League by um, margin. Um, so that is always going to be a threat. There's no... Uh, six-foot-seven-odd Yannick Vestergaard um, uh, to get on the end of them anymore. But, um, yeah, the, I, Southampton are going to be a threat. Um, they have they have a bit of quality. Hassan Hüthel is a very good coach, got a win last season against Liverpool. I think that anyone who's taking this game lightly um, uh, is making a mistake, and I wouldn't want to see Liverpool taking it lightly by any means.
1: Yeah, I think um, Adam Armstrong is a really good little player as well. We've not seen the best of him probably yet, but I think he looks quite dangerous and the type of player that could potentially hurt any defense really. But we'll have to see. Um, Max, thank you for your time. Maybe a, a whistle top, whistle stop, even whistle stop tour of <laughs> all things Liverpool today. With it just being tours, but fingers crossed for some positive results this week. And we'll be back next week. So thank you for your time. Thanks you for joining us.
0: Always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, yeah, I shall speak to you soon brilliant
1: and if you want any more content from here is here at Anfield Central you can check out the website anfieldcentral.co.uk or on twitter at anfield underscore central but until next time thank you and goodbye